Pod. Today's guest is Adam Smyer, the author of a new guidebook called You Can Keep That to Yourself, a comprehensive list of what not to say to black people for well-intentioned people of power. It's an A to Z dictionary of words and phrases put together by a fictional black co-worker named Daquan that's designed to help white folks stop saying the wrong things. It includes such entries as ally, conservative, woke, and Kwanzaa, with brief, sometimes funny explanations for each one. Kirkus calls it a bitingly humorous compendium of the absurd, subtle racism of the American workplace, although it can be applied to most instances of small talk. Smyer's debut novel, Knucklehead, came out in August of 2018. In addition to writing, Smyer is a self-described attorney, martial artist, and mediocre bass player. He lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with his wife and cats. You Can Keep That to Yourself is out September 1st, 2020. So, let's talk about You Can Keep That to Yourself. Okay. Can you start by telling me how this book came to be? Was it something you'd been planning for a while, or did it come up? Like, it seems almost spur of the moment. It's funny because maybe this is true of a lot of books, but I feel like I've been writing it my whole life. But I set pen to paper, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of of talking to people, a lot of listening, and just thinking things through and kind of channeling Daquan, (laughs) this persona. And, uh, you know, my, my, my first book took, what, eight years to write. So this was kind of refreshing that way. But but again, at the same time, I mean, this stuff's been going round and round, you know, for a while. Possibly your whole life. Possibly. <laughs> Some of these issues might predate me. Yeah. I love how small it is. It's like one of those books that you take with you on vacation so that you can translate, like, where is the bathroom or how can I get a beer? Was that intentional? Oh yeah, no, we definitely designed the format so that people can carry it with them. And when they find themselves in a tight spot, it's discreet enough that you can just, it's got tabs. You can just hit it real quick and decide whether, whether you should say something. So you're like, you're about to say the word ally and you're like, maybe I should see if that's in the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we recommend just familiarizing yourself with the index getting an idea of what's in there. And then if something comes up, just kind of hit real quick. How did you choose what to put in here? Oh, it, it, it chooses itself, doesn't it? I mean, these are not, we don't seek these things out. They come to us. It's just, just a matter of record keeping. <laughs> have, you, have you been faced with any or all of these words and I phrases? It would be safe to assume so, yes. Are, are you? Were they all familiar to you? Pretty much. The one that I learned most recently was grandfathered in. And that was in one of those listicles, like, here are some, you know, some things you didn't realize were racist that you shouldn't say. (laughs) Yeah, this this is a gestalt, right? This has been going around for a while. And so, yeah, this is a specific codification of something that's just you know for better or worse in the air right now so that one was new any anything else uh jump out at you or were they all kind of what you expected anything missing well that's what i was about to ask you was like was there anything that you decided to leave out or anything 
that maybe has come up in the past couple of months that you wish you'd included? I mean, you've got the word Karen in there, so that's good. It's timely enough. Yeah, I um, so far no, because again, these these are not these are not trendy things. These are very old things. I mean, you know, I'm not a young person. People older than me can relate to the book, so. For sure, it, these are not new issues. Uh, so far, something nothing's come up. There, are, there are sometimes issues that the book addresses in a, a roundabout way, or more, there is more than one way to address some of these. And so, but but so far, I feel like I'm covered. And that that's a dread that exists with every book, right? As soon as it's done, you just brace yourself, right? So, <laughs> this one is no exception. Yeah. And I, I'll get back to your other question in a minute, but I wanted to ask, you described this book as being for well-intentioned people of pallor. Was that to diffuse some of the tension around the phrase white people, which is getting used a lot lately, and it puts some people on guard? I just think it's a funny phrase. It is. <laughs> and if the idea of the book is that, you know, God forbid you should hurt people's feelings by holding up a mirror, you know, we, we want to... We want to soften. They're not aggressions. They're microaggressions. It's not bias. It's implicit bias. And given that, you know, you can be put in Facebook jail for saying white people, we wouldn't want to do that. So it's, you know, we just came up with a term that might not shock the system. Do you want to talk about that for a second? How Facebook has created all of these filters around words like white people or... Mm. I can't even think. A friend of mine wrote a book called The White Devil's Daughters. It was about a man in Chinatown a hundred years ago. And she could not post about her book because Facebook was filtering white devils. <laughs> I mean, what else, what is there to say? We know we know what it is. You know. What Fair is there enough. to say? One of the entries is about the word dark and, you know, the sort of light-dark dichotomy that we talk about all the time and particularly in movies and TV and books. Can you talk about that a little bit more in particular? Like, how do we get rid of that? Because I think when people use those phrases, they're not even thinking about it in a racialized way. I'm not the one to ask how we get rid of it, right? I didn't put it there. I don't know how to get it out. Yeah. I do know that, you know, it's funny. I, I was a huge Stephen King fan when I was a kid. Who wasn't, right? When you're growing up, you're reading all that. And, and some of the books are great. But at some point, I was reading something. And I'm not trying to start a beef with Stephen King. But at some point, I was reading about the evil black blackness that was blackening the white goodness of whiteness. And I was like, this might not be good for me. I was young. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Words matter. Maybe this is bad for me. And I, I, I cut back on my Stephen King consumption considerably. And I feel bad about that. But it, even as a kid, it didn't feel right. Fair enough. And I've asked that too about that. You know, in sort of hippie circles, people talk about the healing white light. I always wonder... At what point is that not okay? Or is it never okay? Maybe it's a continuum, right? But who knows? This stuff is so insidious. Who knows? I mean, I, I, some of it has to be coincidental, innocuous, innocent, what have you. You know, just has to yeah. be. But, you know, it's, it's funny. I, 
you know, intersectionality, for me, it's a clunky word for a thing that exists everywhere all the time, right? You might as well say air. It's a lot of syllables to say air. But yeah. in that vein, I think about misogyny, right? And how finely do I really want to cut that line? Like, why is it important to me to be able to say this and not that or make mm -hmm. a certain percentage of people uncomfortable? At some point, the question is, what, what's my motivation? All right, so. Exactly. Yeah, and the association of goodness with light and badness with dark is the root of the problem anyway. Right. If we didn't see it everywhere all the time, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite entries is on the word minorities. Do you have your book handy? Can you read from that entry? I do. <laughs> <laughs> minorities. Helpful little alphabetized tab here. <laughs> okay. Minorities. It's awkward watching you comfort yourself with the insistence that you outnumber everybody else when you plainly don't. And what you would seem to think that numbers would justify is concerning. This has been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. The use of the word minorities to talk about different racial groups or different, any kind of non-white, cis, hetero group, as if they were somehow less than. And I like that you called that out. Yeah. Other, like secondary, any number of, of synonyms. When... One, the, the numbers don't support it, and two, the implications are disturbing because, I mean, what what is it that people think 51% can do to 49%? <laughs> and, and, and again, what's the motivation for that, right? Well, and flipped on its side or whatever, you have the, you go back to the 99% and the 1%, the 1% that has all the wealth and the 99% who don't. Who's the minority there, but who has the power? Yeah. Which is where identity comes in and why identity is so important. Because if people were acting purely in their, you know, I, I was in school a long time and, and they, you know, I, I, I read people who said humans act in their best interests and I nodded. That is not what I see. You know, I would be 100% okay with everyone acting in their personal best interests. And I do think some form of representation or democracy could emerge from that. But I feel like what's been co-opted is identity. Yeah, exactly. People convincing the 99% that their issues are with one another rather than with the wealthy leadership. Temporarily embarrassed millionaires. I forget who said that. <laughs> That's a great phrase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In both your debut book, Knucklehead, and this book, you use a lot of humor to get your points across. Is that sort of a natural approach for you, or is it something you're deploying for a particular purpose? I mean, it is. I'm, I'm not suppressing it as a, as a creative choice, but it just is what it is. This is, this is all kind of absurd. I mean, it... Taking it, taking it too seriously, I think, would, would sap me of creative energy. There's a, there's a remove. You know, it's one of the things I like 
about being an artist is that part of our role is a little bit to step back and observe. And I can't help that anyway. So at least I'm doing something with it. And it's, it's not funny, but it's something very close to funny. Something related to funny. I, I don't know. I mean, I just open your book to like the entry on fam. And I just start laughing and laughing and laughing. That's awesome. Or the uh, the honky one is my other favorite one. <laughs> Only honkies say honky. Yeah. <laughs> it's my experience. Yeah. it And it cuts through some of the more serious stuff too, which is super important to have. I think I like that balance a lot. I like how the balance came out. It didn't, it didn't, it may have started as a rant. It didn't end as a pure rant and it didn't make light of it's what I like about writing is that I get to express myself in exactly the way I want to. Mm -hmm. And then it's preserved. And then I have it, which one helps me feel differently about whatever it is I'm writing about and move on because I've, I've memorialized a moment in time, like a tattoo, right? It's just, I have it, but it's hard to express these these ideas in a, a way that can hold up for any amount of time. Which is my last question. One of the other things you do in both of your books is you explore some of the complexities of race and being Black in America. And I'm wondering how comfortable you are with the idea of writing about and representing these issues. I mean, there's people that definitely feel like I want to take this on. And then there are other people just like, I just want to write and not try to represent something. Where are you on that continuum? Oh, I'm so far on the, I just want to write camp. <laughs> yeah. Team, right. I'm not really trying to be part of the fray. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just doing the thing that I do. I'm not really worried when I start a project, what it's going to end up as. And fortunately, you know, I have some channels that some of the work can can come out to the world through. And I just want to do that. I'm a writer. I write about what I write about and I express it the way I express it. But yeah, I'm, I know which side of the continuum I'm almost all the way on there. Which is funny because you're coming out with this and it's going to make you kind of a spokesperson for a little while on some of these issues, I think. How are you? I hope not to be. <laughs> I would I would like this book to just fly away and spark its own conversations and inspiration in places that I don't go to, places that I'm not privy to. I know what the book says. People can read it and have their own reactions to it. I'd be much more curious about other people somewhere else reading the book and talking to each other about it, or even coming back to me and telling me what they're you know, experience has been, that's why I asked you a couple of questions because all of this has been said, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't necessarily all been collected in this way at this moment, but it's none of this is new. That's kind of the point. So no, I dread being a spokesman for this. It's true that none of this is new, but it feels like more people are listening right now in a way that they haven't been. And it's a, a good opportunity to slip in a little bit more knowledge that of things that have happened for a long time. Yeah, we'll see what it does. People seem excited about it, which surprised me. But, you know, that's that's it always is a surprise. So we'll see what happens. 
Well, this is also a good size for a stocking stuffer, don't you think? Oh, yeah. No, and makes a great gift. Holidays <laughs> will be here before you know it. You probably know somebody who could use it. And you probably don't have to be in the room with them when they open it because you can't no. be at Christmas with your entire family right now. That's right. Just ship it to them. Just ship <laughs> it to them and, and wait for the email. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up here? Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for your time and your interest and for reading. And, uh, and that goes for all of you out there. Thank you, readers. You're the, you're the best part of the system. And that's our show for today. Grotto Pod is produced by Susie Gerhardt, George Higgins, Ben Marks, Daniel Pierce, Beth Weingarner, Andrew Braithwaite, and Rita Chang-Ethic. The music is by Sugartown. Grotto Pod is concocted in-house at the Writer's Grotto in San Francisco. Please review and subscribe to Grotto Pod in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.